It's Simpsons time, and this is a good one. Bart the Murderer from season three. Uh, season three was such a blockbuster, amazingly good season. Um, and I will keep saying that. I will keep saying that it's one of the strongest seasons in The Simpsons run, even though, you know, uh, certain things would take a little while longer to develop fully. Um, I would say the like the relationships between people and the uh, models in which everything was drawn and the character designs and the voices uh, didn't reach a real maturity in all of those things until about season six. Um, but season three, man, was it ambitious. I mean, so much was done and... Uh, this is an episode that illustrates that really, really well. It's a one-plot show. Bart starts to work for a mob boss. Uh, and, you know, that is, of course, rife with potential for a lot of different twists and turns. Um, but there is, like, something that is a is a bit of a diversion from it in the beginning uh, when the rest of the kids get to go to the chocolate factory and Bart is not there. Uh, and that is a really, really wonderful <laughs> sequence when they're in the chocolate factory and everyone is like causing mayhem. There's one shot where like a group of kids runs through the factory and one of the kids is naked. <laughs> you can just see like his little bare ass uh, going by. You know, and like they're swimming in the vats of chocolate and uh, Milhouse drops his glasses in the vats. And it, I mean, like, it's just a real festival of fun for all these kids. And that makes it, you know, all the more punishing that Bart doesn't get to go on this wonderful class trip. But really, most of the show is taken up with... Uh, the legitimate businessmen's social club of Springfield, of course, led by Fat Tony, voiced just masterfully by Joe Montaigne, you know, who is like on par with Phil Hartman or John Lovitz, you know, in terms of like how good a voice actor he is and how much his voice acting uh, surpasses his um, achievements as a live-action actor, um, in my opinion. No, not even in my opinion. It, like, it really is true that, you know, he is so famous as Fat Tony, and as a live-action actor, he's very good, but very, you know, uh, relegated to character actor roles and all that. Um, it just goes to show that in The Simpsons, 
you can be a character actor and that is like completely prestigious and spectacular because every character is a caricature. Um, and yeah, like he, I think is as good as Phil Hartman and, um, Phil Hartman also appears in this episode. He does several voices. Uh, it's one of a few, like maybe, I actually can't think of another episode that has both Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz, but there is probably one or two. Maybe there's not. Troy McClure voices the introductory film strip inside the chocolate factory featuring uh the design of the ancient mayan guy who looks exactly like the cleveland indians mascot you know smoking the chocolate and all that And then Hutz, of course, is Bart's lawyer when he finally uh, gets taken to court over the whole uh, mystery of Skinner's disappearance. They place the blame squarely on the mafia and they conclude that Bart is the head of the mafia <laughs> because he just works there and he's the one who hates Skinner. I just love how the whole idea of Fat Tony just springs forth fully formed. This is something that really never changes, you know, from season to season and episode to episode. Fat Tony's personality uh, and those of all of his henchmen are, you know, they are milked and milked and milked. There's even, you know, in a very late episode of like a Jersey Shore parody that happens. Um... But it seems to be, like, the established personality of Fat Tony seems to be endless fodder for mafia joke after mafia joke throughout the run of The Simpsons. And it starts off, you know, like, just as strong as it ever will be with the, you know, the horse race that they listen to on the radio where Don't Have a Cow is the name of the horse that wins um you know in the bar you know with like the dusty diagram that shows all of the different drinks and uh you know the fact that bart's introduction to the social club is like a whole bunch of guns in his face like just for stumbling down the stairs and falling in there And it must be mentioned, uh, Fat Tony's whole back and forth with Wiggum in this. This is one of the rare episodes where Wiggum is halfway competent as a police chief. And he does try to stop Fat Tony. When he hears about, you know, a truckload of this, a truckload of that. And Fat Tony... <laughs> Just, you know, cool as a cucumber goes, what's a truck? <laughs> like, just, yeah, the, that all that dialogue. Chief Wiggum, you grace us and honor us with your presence. You know, like that whole thing. 
just it makes me feel very good. Uh, this episode came out at around the same time as Goodfellas, and it has many similarities to it. Um, Bart is like essentially the Ray Liotta character. And they even use a little snippet of a 60s song, radio hit. Uh, the one they use is One Fine Day. And uh, I, it's great. Like that, <laughs> Goodfellas is even re referenced later on too in the episode where uh, Nelson takes Bart under his wing. And in that one, it's a little bit more of an overt reference, but... Um, in this early one, there are there's also like a very uh, clear reference to the Godfather after Bart wakes up from a nightmare, and you rapidly see different shots as he's screaming, a la the horse head part in the Godfather. And there's other like very clear Godfather references ah. uh, such as the slow motorcade at the end when Bart is like oh you know the, get bent fat Tony now I've realized that crime truly doesn't pay and then all of them get into their like stretch limos and slowly go away The whole show is meticulously drawn. Uh, I call your attention to the room full of cigarettes when Bart is holding all of the Laramie cigarette truckload in his room. Um, each of those cartons was written, you know, like the, the writing on that was handwritten because they didn't use digital animation yet. Um, the beautiful color in that dream sequence where Bart is dreaming that... Skinner is dead and saying that he killed him is great with just black and white and blue colors. And that wonderful neon sign when Bart is about to be executed that says Death House blinking. And there are a couple really beautiful and funny little freeze frame gags at the very top of the show uh, where Bart and Lisa are eating cereal. And this is the beginning of Bart's sort of terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day <laughs> that ends with him uh, falling into the clutches of the mob and working for them. Um, he, he finds out that, well, first he steps on a pointy toy he limps to the kitchen table, and he finds out that Homer has taken his glow-in-the-dark police badge from the box of cereal that he was going to eat. Um, in the freeze frame, when he puts the box of cereal down, it says on the box, only sugar has more sugar. And everyone loves that. That's, that's a big fan favorite. There's also a really cool... Uh, shot of Bart looking inside the cereal box and shifting the cereal around, which I like. Um, like the, from the, the point of view is inside the box. And Lisa is eating Jackie O's cereal 
and it says on that box that there's a free pair of stretch pants. <laughs> I don't remember if it's inside or if you send away for it, but I think that's funny too. And, you know, I I can see how America just totally fell in love with this, even though, like, you would think that the mafia, the whole mafia thing would have been so played out after the Godfather movies. Goodfellas was on the rise, and people loved that. Um, the Sopranos, of course, was, like, way far in the future. But this was right in the heyday of everyone loving and hating Bart at the same time and seeing him as able to do immense harm and be extremely menacing. So the idea of Bart uh, convincingly being like the capo di tutti capi of this uh, crime organization, I think probably struck everyone you know, in the Simpsons fan base as extremely funny. Uh, you know, like when Homer breaks down in court and says like, oh yes, it is my boy. He's the head of the, of the gang. All, all the pieces fit. And then putting Bart's picture at the very top of the photo tree that, you know, cops have. It's all very good. Uh, I will say that Skinner really shows remarkable resourcefulness here. He's he's not so much of a loser as he usually is. And he does stand up to Bart when Bart tries to bribe him. Uh, I mean, he's his same old Skinner self asking Bart to seal the envelopes and, you know, claiming that that's a fun thing to do at the beginning. But when he does the whole MacGyver-esque escape from the pile of newspapers, that's, like, pretty cool of him. And the last thing I'll say is that it's very, very early foreshadowing of Skinner and Mrs. Krabappel's relationship because she does seem extremely distraught when he, when he comes up missing. And it's not really, it's not actually until seasons, season eight or nine that they get together. Uh, but you definitely see she's got feelings for him in this one. Anyway, <laughs> you're beautiful. Supoib, even. This has been Simpsons Time. Thank you for listening. Are those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare Strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft Thank you so much for listening to Simpsons Time and Through the Debigulator. 
a podcast from WFMU. If you like the show, you can subscribe via iTunes. You can just look for it every Thursday morning when it appears on the playlist page at WFMU.org. Or you can just, you know, fondly remember it and not subscribe to it at all. It is up to you. The choice is yours. Uh, Feel free to drop me a line anytime for uh, tips, comments, questions about Simpsons time or just about the Simpsons in general. As you can probably tell, I enjoy talking about it. Have a great week, and I will talk to you next time. Bye. It's such an ancient pitch, but one that I'd never switch. There ain't no nicer way.